Tribune Audio Network. Hi, I'm Cheryl Lee Ralph, and this is Diva Defined. Hey everybody, it's Cheryl Lee Ralph and welcome once again to Diva Defined. I am your diva, Cheryl Lee Ralph, divinely inspired, victoriously alive. And I have a truly live guest today in the wonderful, the awesome Miss Sherry Shepard. Welcome to Diva Defined. Girl, How are you? I, you know, I'm amazing. I, I know, I know you that, are. Come I know on now. that word is is so overused, but that is so how I'm feeling. Ooh. I feel amazing. I feel alive mm-hmm. and present and focused. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah, and fog free. So it's I feel good. And how did you get yourself through that fire to come to this place? You know, I think it's um, because I've been off sugar almost 270 days. Wait a minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. (laughs) Uh No sugar. Not brown sugar. Not white sugar. Not natural sugar. Not raw sugar. No sugar. No sugar. The only sugar is my 13-year-old son. That's it. That's it. When I kiss him, I get that sugar. But no sugar. No, No substitute sugar. No sugar at all. What made you? What made you like go ditch the sugar? Free? Yes, Sh- you know, Cheryl. Last year, I was sitting in the car. It was about. It was two hundred, almost two hundred seventy days ago. I was in the car and I was really going through it. Ex husbands, you know, moving out here, mm-hmm. stress, and I was eating a candy bar. And my son said from the back, he goes, "Mommy, mommy," and I said, "What?" He goes, "If you die, who's going to be my bodyguard?" <sighs> and I said, "What?" And he goes, "If you die, who's going to take care of me?" And I thought right at that moment, I just got this vision because my son was born at five and a half months. He was a pound, 10 ounces. So he's got these unique challenges. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm glad you used that word. It's a challenge because everybody's got challenges. Everybody's got the challenges. His are very just unique, you know, and and I, I saw this vision. God is amazing of a doctor saying to me, I had irreversible things happening and it was and he kept saying it's too late and Ah. I kept saying to myself but if only I had Mm -hmm. and it was like God was saying to me I don't want you to be there you're here and you can and I don't this is not what I want from you I want for you and it was at that moment I said I got who's gonna take care of my child like I just, you know, there's a certain way I rub his back. There's a certain way I give him a foot rub before he goes to bed. Mm. We pray together. Who's going to do that for him? And so I went cold turkey. So tell me exactly what happened with your health that made you decide that you had to put yourself first for yourself or better put yourself first for your child? Well, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes back in 2007. And that is like the number three killer in the African-American community, diabetes. They call it the silent killer. Mm-hmm. And That and high blood pressure. That and high blood pressure. And actually, high blood pressure is one of the offshoots of diabetes. It's so many different things from diabetes. And I had had it under control for a, a few years. I even mm-hmm. wrote a book on it. But, Cheryl, sometimes life just hits you. I'd gone through a very public and painful divorce mm-hmm. and alimony payments and court, you know, going to court all the time. It really took a toll on me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you feel like you can't breathe. Yes. And we and food is such a comforter. Because yes, it we have, is. We have so many memories with food. It's not just 
fuel. Right. And I would bury a lot of stuff in, in my in my in food and in sugar because for me, I'm a single mom. So I'm paying alimony to two husbands and court costs. And I got a little boy who's counting on me and therapists. It just was so overwhelming to me and being an actress. You know, the life of a of a person who's an actress is you always it's always the next job. That's right. What's coming Chasing next. that opportunity, you know, and you're believing in God that you're going to work. But it's still when you know, when, when, you, when you're not working. It's, mm-hmm. And so it was just so much. And I think the stress was making me sick, lack of sleep, waking up, worrying. So when Jeffrey said that, I think your kids can sense things. And so my diabetes and my numbers weren't under control. My blood mm. sugar, they were about to, the doctor was about to put me on insulin because my numbers were shooting higher, higher. And I was just in this big fog. So when he said that, it just was like a snap where I just I was awake. And I'm so thankful to God for that little angel that is my son yes. because the way that I felt 270 days ago versus the way I feel now, even when stuff happens, I go, I can make it through this. I can, I can deal with this. It will be better. I just have a different mindset. Wow. So when I think about eating a slice of cheesecake or donut, cause I crave sugar. Mm-hmm. I do. I go, but how do I feel now? I love the way I feel now. I love being feeling alive and and focused, and I love you know the fact that uh, well, I'm not breathing hard when I walk up three stairs. <laughs> I love the fact that I can bend down and tie my shoes up without going whoo, sounding like my auntie Gloria. You know, oh. no offense, auntie Gloria, but <laughs> we we know we need you know, and so right. um, it just that's so that's what the health challenge was. And you have really, really made a difference. In yourself. I mean, when you came through the door, I was like, whoa, that Instagram <laughs> picture was right. That That's what she looks <laughs> like no now. Photoshop. Okay. <laughs> What'd you say? The thighs don't lie. <laughs> so you have really done it. And that's, that's so interesting because people's relationship to weight, it's something that they want to hold on to. Yeah. As much as they say they want to lose it, there are those things about us that makes us want to hold on to it. Like you said, maybe it's the comfort of it. Right. If I let go of that, am I really just letting go of myself? Or mm-hmm. what is making me not take those steps that I know I need to take to make myself better? And that's huge. It is. You know, for so long, I think sometimes we hide behind that, you know, our weight. For me, being a comedic actress, mm. you know, it was also, I, I, I always felt like I'm not funny unless I'm a certain weight. And I had to let that go and go, Sherry, you funny no matter what weight you are. Absolutely. And I was afraid of adding a layer of sexuality to, um, to myself. Mm. So weight also you know, hid that with issues of growing up as a little girl and, you know, being left with family members that maybe I shouldn't have been left with. So weight was a protection for me. And it was almost, it was just like, no, you can let that weight go and, and be, ex- be excited about what's to come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, also that weight was protecting me from men. I was like, I don't want, I can't, I don't want to dip my foot back in. And if I'm overweight, I don't have to worry about that. And you know, that's not true. And that's not true. Not at all. Not at all. Although I'm still a little, a little dipping my foot back in that dating thing. Ooh, girl. <laughs> yeah, the, the water can be very cold. It can't be very it? cold, and I don't know. I don't. I don't. I know how to doggy paddle. I don't know how to swim. Mm. So <laughs> you made a comment though. You said that you were left with people in your family that maybe you shouldn't have been left with. Yeah. What does that mean? 
Well, just, you know, children are not protected. A lot of kids are not protected. And you go through instances of molestation, of people touching kids. I'm very protective of Jeffrey. Because, you know, my parents had to work all the time. So I kind of was shuffled with different relatives and different, you know, friends of friends. And so very young, very young age, I remember things and... Back then, I, I don't think people were, our families were as open. I don't know about your family. You, you, you know, you grow up in the community. People don't talk. There's, you leave right. family business in the house. That's right. Don't talk about family don't stuff. Don't hang your laundry out there for exactly. anybody to see so your dirty laundry. People didn't, you know, my family didn't believe in counseling and therapy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have anybody to talk to when these things happen and you bottle them up. But then it kind of implodes as yes. you get older and you're trying to deal with these issues of, there was, I remember an uncle, long, long, he passed away. And, and I remember nobody really asked me anything. They, what, he, he would give me money. And, and my, I remember a member of my family said, where you get that money? I said, uncle, uncle gave it to me. But nobody said anything. He right. just kind of disappeared. He was never, but nobody addressed anything. So when what he disappeared, happened, exactly. what happened, then I felt bad that he disappeared. So nobody, so it's those issues that nobody talked about. But mm-hmm. thankfully, you know, I went and got went to a therapist and talked yes. about those issues. That affects everything that you do, things that happen when you're younger. It, takes, it affects every choice that it you make. It affects choices that you make, and I'm very protective of my son. It affects, you know, it just even in talking to other adults. And, and I, you know, Jeffrey, I tell Jeffrey, if you don't want to hug so-and-so, you don't have to don't hug have them. To. You don't have to hug them. You don't have to. Kids are intuitive. And mm-hmm. so not feeling protected in that way in certain, you know, instances. And and the, the weight was a comforter food you know if you eat a lot and you a certain way ain't nobody gonna pay attention to me i'm kind of sitting in the corner and be invisible and once again that too is not true no it's not true it's not, not true at all. exactly you have to face a lot of that i mean it was a lot of stuff that i had to go through emotionally in the committing to my health the 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 perk is you you lose this you lose weight too mm-hmm. and in losing weight <gasps> people pay more attention to you uh i'm very goofy like i don't like we are friends nisi is our friend nisi yes. Nash, i love nisi but a nisi good girlfriend she is she is our bestest friend and nisi to me can wear her sexuality like yes. a shawl around her neck yes you do girl you, and, and it's so and she can and me i do that and i go oh god oh, <laughs> i don't it's so goofy we could have the same dress on the same hair on have the same line and nisi will do we could say what and nisi will do that like what i'm promising something later <laughs> i go what really you know, <laughs> and so that for me was very hard and, and yeah. weight covered all of that. And so I'm learning to, it's okay to revel in my femininity. Mm-hmm. It's okay to walk in it. It's okay to, I'm still goofy, but. But that's you. you learning. That's who you are. And it's, right. and it's wonderful to accept your beauty, your right. unique beauty, just the way you are. But you just said something. You said losing the weight you also lose the weight. So you're losing the weight physically, you're losing the weight spiritually, yes. you're losing the weight mentally. Mentally. And we go back to that thing, bag lady, how are you gonna get there carrying yes. all that bags, carrying, carrying all, all that, that weight? weight? I mean, that even when you say lose the weight, you know, mentally, spiritually, even spiritually, going through a second marriage, it was so bad. And mm-hmm. having having all that, the baggage of, I got married because I grew up, you know, they said, you not, you can't have sex unless you marry. Mm-hmm. So I got married so I could have sex. Wow. You know, you can't, you, you can't date. You got you date and you'll get married. Wow. So when everybody said to me, oh, slow down, slow down. 
Now I, I needed that bad marriage to figure mm-hmm. out who I was, to be confident enough to say, no, it, you know, this is me. Right. And it was a lot of that weight that I had to let go of, of I thought I needed to have a man. I was taught that you can't be a whole person yeah. unless you had a man protecting you, oh, unless you had Sherry. a man. And, this, and, I'm, and and there's nothing, I'm not saying anything against marriage because marriage is an amazing marriage thing. Marriage is a wonderful with thing. The, with the right person. Right. But I married for the wrong reasons. So I had the wrong kind of covering over me. And it was that thing of going, no, I, I'm, I'm, I can be content in this place of being a single woman. And I needed that bad one to show me this year, you can, you can, you can fix the cable by yourself. Or you can call <laughs> the cable person, or you can call the handyman. I was in this place before, Cheryl, where I was like, I can't do nothing. I let him take over my finances. I let him deal with anything that was bad. I, it was a barrier. I, and so, and that was not good. Not good at it all. It was not good, but because, you know, and, and what the consequences were was it was a lot of court stuff. It was a lot of missed money. It was a lot of, I didn't know how to take care of bills. Mm-hmm. And consequently, I never looked at my credit card statements. So it was starting from the bottom again of yes. losing everything. But to see that you, Sherry, you can't do it. I sign my checks now. Right. I go over my American Express bill. Mm-hmm. I call them up and go, what is this payment? What I never did that. I always went, you take care of it. You do it. Because I'm too, I, I've been taught that, you know, you can't do anything without a man. So I'm just kind of helpless. So God. it, that letting go of that weight, but gaining the, gaining the fact that, Sherry, you have the knowledge to do it. You're That's smart right. enough to do it. You can That's take right. care of a household. And I do. And it's all good. That's, you know, it's so interesting. I see you and I would never think that that was part of the story. Yeah. I would never think that you thought that you were not good enough. Mm-mm. I just always felt like somebody, you, somebody, you take care of it. You, you're the man and you do it. You know, I just go out and do the entertainment. I never looked at any of my business stuff. I always like, and consequently, I never looked any at my business stuff. I remember going through the divorce and my attorney said, you know, you got, you had 25 grand in this account. And I went, I know, you know, and he goes, you got 250. And I went, oh, shoot. I, oh, I didn't know that. Wait, 250 grand or $250? Wow. Mm-hmm. Two $100 bills and, and two 20s and a 10. That's what wow. I had in my account because I never paid attention. I never paid attention to my money because I let somebody else handle it because I thought I would share you don't know nothing about money. We had a big old conversation earlier about relationships with money mm-hmm. and sometimes a bad relationship with money is a bad relationship with yourself. Absolutely. Because you've got to respect the money and if you're able to do that you're better able to respect Absolutely. yourself. There's an odd sort of correlation in how one takes care of themselves but I think I understand it because divorce can be a mother Oh my gosh and two of them it's very expensive so I joke it's with people. It's very expensive. It's you know you nobody goes into it saying they're going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in prenups. Girl you better touch me. I love a prenup and I you know I, I really it's so important. I think people think, uh, and this is the way I think. I've done divorce without a prenup, and I've mm-hmm. done divorce with, with a, pre- a prenup. And prenup helped me. It was other in- issues, but the prenup I came out way better. Yes, uh, but prenup is actually protection for yourself that you negotiate when right. you really are in love. When you and really love are in love, is good. It's like having, you know. It's I think I, people have the attitude, which is what I did my first marriage. I put my house in in um, my first husband's name <gasps> that I had bought myself. Oh. I put his name on everything, and everybody said you got to do a prenup. And I thought, 
Um, no, it's not biblical because it means that we're, I'm, we're planting the seeds for divorce and it means I don't have enough faith in God. That's what I thought. And a lot of women think that. And it's so wrong. And it's so because you're, you're also, you're putting aside assets for your parents. If your parents are ailing and that's sick, right, you have money set aside for them. If it, your kids college, I mean, it's so many other issues and it's like, like having insurance you put you for your car. You yeah. don't think about the fact that you have insurance until something you get hit until you get hit or and you someone go, hits you. You yes. go, okay, I got insurance. Or, or if you have an alarm on your house, you don't think about the alarm system on your house until somebody breaks in and you That's go, right. Oh, the police came cause it was an alarm mm-hmm. on my house. So it's something you do in the, in the midst of being in love. You do that because even marriage is a business transaction. Yes, it, it is. A business, is. And it's in the prenup. It's a business transaction and you figure out how to protect things that you've worked so hard to get. Yes. And I think about that with like my dad has Alzheimer's. I have money oh. set aside for my father in case anything is, I don't want anybody taking that money. Right. That's his protection. That's his safety net. And I think people don't understand the concept. A lot of people don't understand the concept of a prenup. Right. A prenup protects your assets, your home that you were. I lost That's my right. house <gasps> in the first divorce. I lost everything because I didn't have a prenup that protected my assets that I came into the marriage with. Especially if you're a woman like me, you tend to get the wrong kind. They're not working, and they, they, then it's a whole nother. <laughs> now, so. what? Uh, when you lose everything, yeah, and it is you and your child, how do you carry on? Oh my goodness! When I say lost everything, um, going through the second divorce, the first divorce, literally for the first three years, I was on the View. I had no money. And, and, you know, you come out and you wave because all of, it was such a public divorce. It was a child custody battle over our son, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. So all of my money was going towards attorneys. So I literally, and I say, when I say I was about 600, 700,000 into attorney's fees, I was. So when I was hosting, when people would see me on the newlywed game, all those checks were going straight to the attorneys. My business manager flew out and he said, you are broke. And I said, how am I broke? I'm on The View every oh day. My God. But I was paying so much in alimony and so much in child support. And the judge was making me support the husband in California. Plus, I had my own living expenses in California. And I remember calling Nisi Nash again. And I said, I can't breathe. I, th- like, I literally feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. And she, she walked me through it. She walked me through it. I was able to just breathe because my heart was just. Mm-hmm. So for the first three years, I was paying off attorneys. When there was, this marriage was just in a bad way. Now, the I mean, first yeah. divorce, that was also. The first divorce, was a, it was an affair. It was an affair. And I thought, one thing I thought with the first one, that was my best friend, um, ended up being, but I say it was still a one night stand that lasted 12 years too long. <laughs> um, the, but there was the first one was just, I thought that we were both living our dreams. He was a stand-up comic and an actor. I was a stand-up comic and an actor. And my career took off before his. Mm. And I just said, you know what? I'll provide for you. Don't work. Don't ever tell a man not to work. But I was young, Cheryl. I just thought, go and live your dreams. I will provide. And this way you don't have to work at the camera shop and the valet parking. I'm going to, because I thought we were both trying to do the same thing, but a man needs to, he needs to work. Oh, uh, he needs to work. A couple needs to work. You know, that's what it is. I, the second husband told me one time, I said, you got to get a job. And he said, I'm not working at Home Depot. My wife is on The View. And I said, well, can you get a job at Target? Like, we both need to be 
<laughs> I don't care where you work. Just, just work. Just work. I can't get up at five in the morning and go to the view and go to the newlywed game and stand up and and, and you in bed. I can't I can't do it. I don't even let Jeffrey sleep too long. Mm-hmm. He and this poor boy, I get up, he go, Mommy, why do I have to get up? Because no man is gonna be in my house not working. And he goes, But that was somebody else. Why are you putting all it on me, my poor baby? He goes, Why are you putting I mean, this on me, mommy? You see how smart he is? Oh my god. You see goodness, how intuitive yes. he is? He said, Wait a minute, That's I didn't make me. that mistake. It wasn't me. Don't put that I on go, me. Get up put them legos up you're gonna get up and do something but (laughs) but that's what i said i thought and you know and i think that um that probably contributed to it and i was working all the time and his dreams weren't being fulfilled and you know so he had an affair and that was really hurtful and she got pregnant and she had a baby but here's the silver lining in that my son has a brother and a sister that he loves so much they love when they see each other they go hey boo boo head and they kiss each other and his little sister goes jeffrey give me a kiss so i you know they don't care about the ugliness of the parents you got to love your kids more than you hate the other person their mother and i we have a, a a cordial relationship that's all you need he calls he prays for her all the time he calls her mommy sometimes and i don't even mind that because that means when he's out of my presence and at her house, mm-hmm. she treats my son well. There you go. So I always tell people, you the queen bee all the time. They know who you, you who you are. But if they're calling that other person, they something calling mommy, that means that they love being there and they're treating them right. You don't right. got to worry about your son being on the floor while everybody else is treated a different kind of way. That's right. So Because mm-hmm. um, that happens a lot too. It does. Mm-hmm. And then you're arguing with the, with the mama, those mm-hmm. kids. But she just texted me today and she said, what does he want for Christmas? And I said, what do the kids want? What is, like, what is their dream Christmas look like Mm. and they come over go hi Miss Sherry and they kiss me so that's the silver lining in that it was ugly when it happened but I loved I love his brother and sister Mm. they provided for my will and I know that they always will love Jeffrey and he will always have a home with his brother and his sister that's such a wonderful thing and that also means that you've come to a point of grace where you're able to say you know, let, let this is, we're going to make the best out of this. This is going to be okay. It is. And I knew when I sent her a happy Mother's Day text last year, I told my girlfriends, I said, yeah, this is, this is surreal. Cause I sent her a Mother's Day text and I said, you are an incredible mother. Your kids are very well mannered. They're lovely. I love being around them. They're just a joy. Mm. And, um, they all took improv classes together. I paid for them to take improv, and she was there. It was a little weird because we don't see each other. It, you know, it was. I was like, "Yeah, you still the other woman," but <laughs> but she's a good mother. Yes. And she said, she said the same with Jeffrey. I love when Jeffrey's around. So we've come to a a nice, easy kind of relationship, which I like because it's about those kids. So with Jeffrey, he has a brother and sister that he just loves. They look alike. One is fair. Jeffrey's my little dark chocolate drop, but they look alike. With with the other child, you know, that is not my biological child. He's provided for. He doesn't want for anything. And I trust in God because if God is using me to be a financial blessing for my ex-husband's child, then that means I'm always going to work. So that's how I look at that. I'm always going to work because, I, because I'm providing for you. Wow. Because God is providing for you because you didn't have nothing to do with all of this ugliness of what your parents were going through. So you're going you're gonna to be fine. Now, your, your daddy, I don't like so much, but you're fine. So, then, so when I, whenever I think, ooh, this job is coming to an end, I go, but no, I can't because I got to provide for, for your child over here, Lord, which means you're going to bless me to work. Wow. It's all about, it's all, I think it's all about your perception. It, perception you is things. everything. It is. Like you mm-hmm. can see it. You can see it a certain way, but if you look at 
if you look at it, just shift to the left a little bit or shift to the right, you can see it a different way and come to a, a, a piece Absolutely. about things. Don't go anywhere. More of my conversation with Sherry Shepard right after the break. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and I want to tell you about something special. My friend Jessica Holmes at KTLA 5 News in Los Angeles has a great podcast, and I want you to check it out. It's called California Cooking. It's about great, healthy food and a whole lot more. In one episode, Layla Ali, Muhammad Ali's daughter, gives her dad's favorite burger recipe. Yeah, well, my father loved good home-cooked meals, but he loved to go to a burger stand from time to time. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was really young, he used to pick us up from school, and there was like this hole-in-the-wall place. But I can still remember the taste of their burgers because they flavored their meat, they seasoned it really well, and that's why I wanted to do the Greatest of All Time Burger, which is pretty much, um, you know, inspired by that burger. Oh, you are going to love it. It's called California Cooking with Jessica Holmes. Check it out where you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. This is Diva Defined. So now that you're at peace, when you think about the future, when you think about not the next job, but what does Sherry want in the future? Oh, wow. Sherry wants more dramatic work. I just finished a, a drama. My film will be out August 19th. What is it? What is with it? With Morgan Freeman and Greg Kinnear. Ah. It's called The Brian Banks Story. And it's based on the true story. Of, and it's Aldous Hodge from underground plays Brian Banks uh, about a boy who was 16 years old who attended Poly High School in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. He was recruited by 150 colleges to play football, but he chose to go to USC. And a girl in his high school accused him <gasps> of rape. That story. You remember that story? Yes. Accused him of rape. And at 16 years old, he was arrested. They got him to plead no contest without his mother being in the room. He asked for his mother. They said, you, they're going to try you as an adult. They gave him 10 minutes to decide. And most of our young men plead no contest because they don't want to go to trial. Right. Because the state doesn't want to try them because yes. of the cost. And no contest means not guilty, not innocent. And most are convicted on a no contest charge. <gasps> and so Brian Banks, at 17 years old, two weeks, he, mother didn't even know where he was, was sentenced to six years in an adult prison at 17 years old. When he got out after serving six years, he had to wear an ankle bracelet around his ankle for six years. So he couldn't be, and he had the pedophile label. So he couldn't be anywhere near children. He couldn't get a job. He still was in prison. And his mother had to deal with this and how to keep him up and not being able to get a job. And the girl contacted him on Facebook. Oh, this was the hard on part. Facebook, and she admitted that she had lied. And they couldn't use any of the admission because he secretly taped her. But he was so persistent, he got the Innocence Project to represent him. And a few years later, they got him exonerated. Oh. And so they did a story on his life. And uh, Morgan Freeman, Greg Kinnear plays the, the head of the, uh, the um, Innocence Project. Yes. And I play his mother. Oh, that's wonderful. Girl, can I tell you, when I tried to get this audition, Cheryl, they said, um, with the first, they want Viola. They want Octavia. They want Hallie. They want Jetta. I was like, who, Jetta Jenkins? <laughs> uh, Viola Day? <laughs> who, who? Viola from the Bank of America? What is all these first names? 
they wouldn't see me because I'm a comedic actress. Yes, yes. And a lot of times you're stuck in this box because they think because you're a funny actress, it's hard to do get the dramatic role. Right. And I said, but I connected the script so much because this woman was so spiritual and she had to fight for her son. Yes. She hired an attorney who the attorney that she hired, she had mortgaged her house. She was a little school teacher, mortgaged her mm. car. And that's what the attorney advised him to please no, plead no contest. So she was a woman who she thought, let me just put my son in football and keep him active so I can, he can stay away from the gangs. Yes. And still he got caught up in the, in the judicial system. Through no real fault through of no his own. Through no real fault of his own. And she just went through it for six years. She went and visited him every, every weekend, four hours there, four hours back. And I connected so much with this script and I prayed, Lord, just let me get in and just to read. And I finally got an audition and the, the casting director says, we've increased the role for the mother. And I said, that's great. And she goes, cause we're trying to get Viola. Okay, whenever you're ready to start. Oh, <laughs> she said that that's out loud said, to you? And, like, and that's where you, but this is where you have to know. This is where you have to know who you are uh -huh. and what is unique about you especially when I tell young actresses when they go in the room, because sometimes you'll get intimidated. And I'll tell them, you'll get intimidated if you see Cheryl Lee Ralph, you see Nisa Nash, you see Yvette Nicole Brown, you see Cheryl, that'll scare anybody. <laughs> but you have to know what is unique about you. That's right. Because we all do things differently. And I, and, and I literally had to self-talk and go, I'm not Viola and I'm not Octavia, but I am Sherry Shepard. Right. And I have a child who has these unique challenges, and I don't say special needs because Jeffrey said, mommy, I don't have special needs. Right. He's got these unique challenges and I fight for this boy every single day. I have to advocate for him in school. I have to, I fight for him. And right. I had to take all of that in there. And Tom Shadiak, who directed it, he directed all of Jim Carrey's movies and Eddie Murphy's movies. It took two weeks and he, he lost my audition tape, when, but found it when he was cleaning his computer. And it just shows you when God got it for you, nobody got, can be against you. God got you. it for you. He mm -hmm. found this tape of me and I booked the job. And it's, I don't think I showed my teeth once. I didn't smile not once. And it was, if it wasn't crying, it was on the floor moaning. It was a screaming. It was, it was that kind of movie. And um, to be able to express all of that and fighting for my son in this judicial system. It's so to be out August 19th. It's a tear jerker, but oh, it's got a great wonderful. it's got a great story because once he was exonerated, he got to play for the Atlanta Falcons. He mm -hmm. was the oldest football player ever, but he got 28. He got to play four games and then he started working in their front office. Now he goes around the world. He's a life coach, Brian Banks. He's got the most positive attitude Wow. ever he persuaded Hollywood to make his movie wow. so it's a good ending yes. it's a good ending of when when your life is taken from you and you think you were supposed to go a certain path what do you do then how do you how do you make this work well you certainly know how to make that work because you have walked through the fire quite yeah. a few times and you have made the decision to come out of that fire better you have to I say the one thing you have to you have to have your girlfriends. Mm -hmm. You have to have a village of women that mm -hmm. will nurture you and hold you. And there's your village of women who will check you yes. and say, look, girl. Then you got your village of women who they are the person you can cry. You mm -hmm. can, you know, you the, hold your tears. There's that that person in your village. that That's that prayer warrior. Yes. You have different women in your village who who hold you and who under undergird you. you. Yes. They're your strength. And you have to reach out. And you have to ask for that help. And then, you know, it was there were times when I would get up and I would be crying so hard I couldn't even talk. And at the time, thank God he sent me, I got to do 10 episodes of Soul Man with Nisi. Uh. And there were times I would come in and just tears. And she would just hold my hand and she'd pray 
and she hold my hand and go, now get up, come on, fix that face. Mm -hmm. And we, we about to go to work. And I needed that. I needed that. And uh, where I would just moan going, I, I don't even know what to, Lord, I don't even know what to pray for. If I got to go to court one more time, if I read one more thing where somebody hates my guts and Nisi, they don't know is me. And, and so that this is not my heart, but it was the village of women that would come through my best friend who has nothing to do with the industry. She's in human resources, but she would call me and check on me and she would fly out when I needed. So that is one of the ways I came out of, I was able to look up and smile. Yes. You know, and also knowing that literally that scripture, this too shall pass. Right. This too, it, it, you know, and Nisi said something to me. She said, believe God for something different. You've been here before. You've been okay. here before. So believe him for something different. And that's yes. what I kept holding on to. I've been here before and you got me out of it. Yes. You got me. And there's something, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I can look at it and I can look at you know, these husbands and go, I forgive you mm -hmm. because it's made me a stronger person. Mm -hmm. It's made me look at some things that I've never looked like. Like I said, I handle my finances. I'm on top of things. I handle my career. Yes. I thought I couldn't do that. I do. So it's some, some things that had to come out of that. Yes. But that's just getting up, being able to smile. Now, when we talk about getting up and being able to smile, we were all smiling when we saw you on The View and you were in our homes every day. That was a wonderful thing. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? You know, I have to say doing The View was one of the best experiences of my life. It was one of the most painful wow. experiences of my life. The first three years I cried in my dressing room. Three years. Why? Because I was in New York by myself. Oh. I didn't have custody of my child for two and a half years, oh. and I didn't know anybody. You know, this was California, LA, I've been here 23 years. Yes. This is where my family is, this is where all my close friends are, this is where everything is. Yes. I moved to New York and I didn't know anybody. And doing The View, a talk show, before it was like, oh, wait a minute, you that girl on that show. You that <laughs> funny girl on that, people really didn't know my name. When you're on a talk show, you come to people's homes every day. So it was Sherry Shepard, what are you doing at Macy? Sherry Shepard, <laughs> Sherry Shepard. Even now people know, they recognize my voice. Yes. And that was very overwhelming to me, yes. being in New York by myself. Cause it's not like Joy, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg, Barbara Walters. After they got finished, they had stuff to do. Yes. So I would be stuck there. I'd had no friends, I didn't know anybody. Um, I would meet a lot of people, but people started coming at me with ulterior motives because everybody wanted to get booked on The View. So mm -hmm. I didn't know who was what and what was who. And I didn't have, I didn't have my friends who were there. Right. So I was by myself a lot in at The View. Also, I was going through, Shirley, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Really? So Yes. And so I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. My parents are very, very strict, yes. very religious. They raised me to... When an adult talks, you don't talk back. Right. You, there's no debating. You have no feelings until you're out of this house. Um, when my father would holler at me, he'd go, don't look me in the eye. So wow. sitting at that table debating with Barbara Walter, she was an adult. That was hard. As a Jehovah's Witness, we didn't vote. So I knew nothing about politics. I don't understand. Why don't Jehovah's Witnesses vote? Jehovah's Witnesses don't vote because they're not a part of, they believe they're not a part of this system of things. That their Armageddon is going to happen where the evil people will be destroyed. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you will make it into this new system of things and it will be a whole new system. So they don't believe in the political structure. 
So they, they don't take, they don't participate in the voting process. They don't get involved in all that. So I knew nothing about voting. I never knew that. I didn't vote until Barack Obama ran. That was the very first time I had voted. And so I didn't know how to debate. I wasn't comfortable debating. Mm -hmm. I just was comfortable with if an adult said it who was older than me, it is what it is. I, I was raised to whatever the pastor said, the elder at the congregation said, that was law. So every, and I didn't like um, confrontation. I yes. didn't like everything that scared me. I had to do every single day. I had to, I had to confront. I had to debate. I had to know politics. My first week, I said, I didn't know if the earth was round or flat. That's what, because I was so nervous. I, I, I you kind of remember that? that? Uh, we, I remember that. Can I, I think... tell you, black people went from loving the fact that I was on The View, that I was a breath of fresh air. And when I said, I don't know if the earth was round or flat, every, because they do focus groups. Uh, Bill Gates said, every black woman is going, how does she get this job? <laughs> what, who does she sleep with to get this job? And it literally was because I was so nervous. I was so, and Barbara Walter said, we were doing, it, we were picking our hot topics. And uh, evolution versus evolution versus Christianity came yes. up, and Barbara said in the mirror, she was looking at me. I want to debate my Christian friend, and I said, No, I don't do. I don't debate. Mm -mm, I don't. Mm -mm. I just know uh, that the church taught me that it, we don't believe in evolution. I don't know why. That's what I learned, and I was so nervous. And I'm sitting at that table, and I I I, I just kind of zoned out, and I heard Earth round or flat. And then I heard it again, earth round or flat. And then all of a sudden, I remember Barbara Walters going, let's take a little time to enjoy the view. And she looked at me and she said, dear, the earth is round. <laughs> and I said, I know the earth is round. And she said, well, you said you didn't know. And I said, oh, no, it was a brain fart. I didn't realize the magnitude of the view. Right. That it was the, it, 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 my name was on Google. I was the second most Google person oh. in the country. Bill Maher said... I should be fired with a stupid stick. Bill oh. O'Reilly called me the pinhead of the week. Howard Stern got on me. Wendy Williams said a potato sack could replace me. It oh. was awful. And I kept going, I know the earth is round. I don't, I just, I just, I just it was so much coming at me and I don't debate. And uh, I just, I remember being on the floor just crying, going, Lord, why am I oh here? Oh my gosh. Why, why, why did you give me this job? And I was sitting in the hair and makeup room and I was watching Wendy and she said, yeah, Sherry, Sherry said she didn't know if the earth was around the fly. How you doing? And uh, I think a potato sack could replace Sherry. Really, really a potato sack. And I started crying. And somebody went and told Karen Johnson, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, somebody told Karen Johnson that I was crying. And she ran in that room and she grabbed my hand and she turned me around and she said, if Barbara didn't think that you could do this job. You wouldn't be there. You would not be in that chair. And she said, look at me. And I remember saying, Whoopi, I can't see your eyes. You got them colored sunglasses. She flipped the lid up and she said, look at me. If she didn't think you could do it, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. Just get back up and get in that chair. And she held my hand as I cried. But you know what it made me do? That failure. It made me get up and read about politics. It made me get up and, and read about why do you think you believe in Christianity versus evolution? It made me do my research. Right, I right. Can sit and, so I didn't know anything about politics. And I used to be quiet. I can sit and talk with you politics all day, every day, 24-7. I love it. Because I had to, I had to read. And right. I had to find views that supported me, what, what I believe. Right. Instead of just believing everybody and what they said. That's what that public humiliation did for me. Mm -hmm. And I learned that with politics, I would start small. How does it affect my child and I? 
yes. and let me go from there. And let me go. And then so when I voted and took Jeffrey in that booth and we voted and he was with me. Now he had a temper tantrum. We almost voted Republican. <laughs> that boy. But when we voted for the first time, it meant so much for me. But yes. I knew exactly. It taught me to look at who my candidates are. Mm -hmm. What did they? What? Who are they? Uh, get, who are they accepting money from? In in, in their run for candidacy, yes. what did they stand for? What were their policies? I love politics, but I wouldn't mm. have done that if I hadn't fallen and failed that first week. And then so humiliated. We'll be back with more from Sherry Shepard. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and I want to tell you about something that I love. It's my friend, Jason Ball's podcast. He's the news director at KTLA 5 in Los Angeles, and he created Diva Defined. So you know I love him. He has his own podcast called The News Director's Office. It's an inside look into the news business. His guests have included, let's see, Entertainment Tonight's, Kevin Frazier, love him, who tells a great story about getting the job at E.T. Roland Martin, who talks about the importance of independent media and the evolution of the civil rights movement. If you use 1970 as the marker, when African Americans were technically fully free Americans, uh -huh. it's 48 years. I'm 50, which means I was actually born not fully free. It's called the News Director's Office. Listen and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. You're going to love it. Welcome back. This is Diva Defined. You so, know, it's when, when I'm listening to you, you've gone through so many things that have, that would really, one of them would have put anybody else just down and out. But you've had several things happen to you where you were publicly humiliated, yeah. that you've been bullied on the Internet. Yeah. People have said awful things yes. about you and still you rise. It just, you know, I I'm very thankful that he's given me the fortitude to be able to show yes. the people that you can. You you know, it's as long as you have as long as you wake up and you can wiggle these fingers and toes, Ooh. you got another chance to, to, to do something different. And being on The View, it was hard being under Barbara. She was a hard taskmaster. How I so? Barbara would say things. I had to learn how to fight for what I wanted Believe? to talk about at that table. Oh, okay. Not even what I believed in. It was five women at that table. Joy, Elizabeth, Whoopi, me, and Barbara. Do you understand the airspace you got to fight for? Mm. There's two comics at the table who are the icons. So I'm the baby comic. I'm trying to fight for a joke. I'm trying to fight. Barbara would say to me, who cares? Her, her biggest um, phrase was, who cares in Wyoming? Meaning ah. this thing that's so important to you over there in Wyoming, why would they care about that topic? Right, you right. talking about a, in, in being in California? Uh, California is not who the, the world, world is. is. Uh -huh. New York is not who the world is. Wyoming is who the world is. And you had to, and I would say, well, I'd like to talk about, you know, my son doing this. And she goes, it's not important enough. And I, and I, I don't know how to combat that because nobody's, Nobody's backing me up yes. here, and we'd it'd be in hair and makeup. We we got our hot topics in early in the morning. Nobody was backing me up. I didn't know how to fight for that topic. But Barbara said to me, after the focus groups, they said, Sherry never talks. She don't say nothing, so why is she there? And she said, if you don't start learning how to talk, I'll eat you up. 
And I go, but why are you gonna eat me up? You don't Whoa. wanna hire me. I came on here to do jokes. No, you didn't come on here to do jokes. You need to learn to do something else. Read books. She was very hard on me. And we, I, we'd have a topic we were gonna talk about. And right before we walked out, and when they said, welcome to Ladies of the Youth, she'd go, cut that topic, it's too long. Huh, what? <laughs> and I would, be, I would shut down. When we interviewed John McCain, we had an order that we were supposed to go in to ask the questions. Joy was supposed to ask the first one, Whoopi the second one, Sherry the third. It was supposed to be an order. We got at that couch, Joy started in, Whoopi started. And I was like, wait a minute, we're not going in order. What are you? <laughs> that shut me down. And, and Barbara got on me. She said, you didn't say anything. And I go, well, they wasn't going in order. She said, Stop being a child. Stop being a child. You're not a child. Time to grow up. Grow up. And what that made me do was it made me say, Barbara, when she go, I, why are we talking? Trayvon Martin, I came back from Dancing with the Stars. I said, we got to talk about Trayvon Martin. She said, who's going to care in Wyoming? This is not, I, nobody is going to care about that. And I said, I care about it because I have a black son and I'm a mother. Mm. And this affects me. And now I got to talk about, I got to talk to my son about the fact that he can't wear a hoodie. And she was going, what is she getting upset for? And Bar and the goes, let her do the topic, Barbara. And it was, I said, I care about it. So that's what, and that's what it made me, do when Barbara would say to me at the table, she tried to cut me off. I'd have to go, Barbara. I'm still speaking. This is something that I want to talk about. I know we're about to go to break, but I didn't get to say anything. I had to learn to assert myself. Uh huh. That's what it was when she said we're gonna cut this topic short. No, we're not gonna cut it short. We've been doing all y'all topics during the, it was during the break. Do y'all didn't see that? Is wait, well, hey, we didn't did your topic and Joy's topic. I want to do my topic. Right. Okay. Right. All right. All right. So I learned to be very assertive. So some Girl. people would tweet me and go, how dare you talk to Barbara like that? You know, they and don't know. Once again, they don't know. Behind they don't understand the what Barbara told me. Right. So it's like and she respected me for that. Mm-hmm. When I found my place in that, I had to deal with joy. When joy said, you friggin' stepping on all my jokes. So d- d- stop it. And I had to go, hey, I'm grown, too. I'm a comic, too. I deserve to be here. You stepped on my jokes. So it was, it was that. And she respected you for and that. And she respected me for it. Right. Well, Joy and I will shut a restaurant down, Kiki and all night. We, I, I love, I love Whoopi. Whoopi protected me in many, many ways. Whoopi's good people. Whoopi, there was a subject I want to talk about with a certain celebrity. And Whoopi said, we're not going to talk about that. And I mm. went in a room and I said, why are you shutting down my stuff? And Whoopi said to me, let me tell you something. This, it was about a rapper. And she said, Elizabeth Hasselbeck can walk in a club and see that rapper. He's not going to do anything to Elizabeth Hasselbeck. But you? you get What you going to do if you get smacked in the face? Nobody's mm-hmm. going to do anything. And I went, oh. And she said, so we're not going to talk about this. And she said, Sherry, celebrities have long memories. So you have to be careful what you say because you're, you're going to work after the view. This That's is right. not. This is just a stop for you. That's right. And I appreciate that, that Whoopi would do those things for me. Whoopi would take care of me when I wanted to do the newlywed game. And so many people say, you're an actress that's going to bring down your brand. Whoopi came in my dressing room and she said, ain't none of them so-and-sos paying your bills. You got a child. Mm-hmm. You go and you do that newlywed game. You hold your head up high. I hosted the Hollywood Squares. You do that, you do that game show. And don't let anybody come in there and tell you what you can't do. Right. That was Whoopi. Whoopi also came in my room and said, uh, you ain't supposed to be marrying that man. I'm not coming to your wedding. <laughs> and she didn't. And she didn't come to she my wedding. She did not come to your wedding. <laughs> I was there, though. You Thank did. You. you came to my wedding. I came to and your wedding. And you saw how unhappy I was. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you sure were at the wedding. <laughs> and then remember I was doing Wicked. Was it Wicked or something? You were doing something. What was something I doing? I was doing Chicago. Some, because you said, I will be there. You exactly. have to be in Chicago. I don't remember what you were doing, but you were like a beacon of light. 
I remember you and John Murray, and I was just yes, like, because oh, so he and I sat together. <laughs> And then we got our nice little bottles of romance. Right, exactly. I kept those bottles of romance. You did. Until you got a divorce. Then you got to shatter it. I gave it away. <laughs> you gave it away. I did. Yeah. I gave it away, but it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Remember how they were all engraved? Well, we, well, well, you know, when you put your wedding on TV, they give you all this free stuff. I joke about it on stage. I said I wanted to run, but our wedding was televised. It was giving me too much free stuff, so I couldn't run. <laughs> I couldn't run. I want, you don't even understand. Walking down the aisle, I knew. I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. Oh, Sherry. The only reason why I didn't take off running, and I talk about this on stage, because I take all of my angst on stage. I said, the only reason why I didn't run out that out that hotel room was because all those black people that were there. When black people come from places like Tuscaloosa, Mississippi, they put their money together to buy that expensive gravy bowl. When black people take off work... You got to go. Show up. You better show up and get married and go on. That's what I was thinking. Aww. That's exactly what I was thinking. I said, all of these people showed up for this wedding and they took off work and they're paying for this expensive hotel because it was at it was at the hotel Barack Obama, you know, former President Barack Obama stays at when he is mm-hmm. in Chicago. They have paid all this money. I got to go through with this. I was so, I was just like, I'm not supposed to be here. This is just. We got no argument the first night. Oh my the, on the honeymoon. god! It was just, it was not good. So by the time I saw you at the reception, I was just like, it's just not going good. <laughs> but like I said, I needed all that. I need, but Whoopi didn't come to the wedding. Joy didn't come to the wedding. Elizabeth Hasselbeck was my bridesmaid. Um, but doing the view, it was very hard. Barbara Walters was a hard taskmaster, and she got on me all the time. But you know what she said before she retired? She was getting in the elevator, and she put her hands on my face. She said, out of all of the ladies, I'm the most proud of you. You've grown the most. You're curious about people. She taught me to be curious about people. You don't take no for an answer. Oh. You fight for what you believe in. And dear, I'm so proud of you. And I started crying. And she goes, what are you crying for? <laughs> and that was Barbara Walters. You could go out with her. And she was so wonderful and warm. And you want to, like, cuddle up and spend the night. Then you get back on the on the dog on view the next morning. She sock you in the face about something. Mm. Get on you about something. When you're just like, what did I do to you? But um, that's what she said to me. Wow. And so she taught me, Barbara Walters, and being so hard on me, taught me how to find my voice. Wow. So no doesn't bother me. I don't care if you say no to me, I'm gonna find another way. Absolutely, no is not forever. It's not forever. No means if you turn it around, it means it's on. Uh, But it's like, (laughs) she taught me to be assertive and she taught me to not be afraid of what I'm saying, that what I'm saying is valid. That's what I had to keep saying to Barbara. What I'm saying, Joy gets to do her topics. What I'm saying, what I want to talk about is valid. And it's worth something. And I learned from being on The View, people would come up to me and go, you're you're like the sister girl. You make me laugh. And when I'm sitting in the hospital taking care of my mom and we look at you on The View, you like, you know, you're real. So I found my place. In that group of women that would always intimidate me because mm-hmm. I always thought I wasn't smart enough. I didn't know about politics. Oh. I always felt less than. And I learned what 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 made me unique. So even when I go back and co-host, everybody goes, oh, my gosh, we miss you. Because the light, the joy, the laughter. You're living so in much. your joy now. Yeah. Yes. And they go, we miss that. So when they when I didn't go oh. back, they cried. All the producers cried, you know. 
And I, but I knew that's where I found my voice. Right, right. That's how I found out who Sherry Shepard was. So I have to thank Barbara Walters for that. As hard as she was on me, I love that lady. Mm. Oh, I love that lady. So you've had these very difficult times. They say sometimes when you put some things in the fire, they come out bright, brighter. They come out with more brilliance. Yeah. What are you going to do with your light? I would like to help other young women find their light. I think in this day and age, there's so many young women who are so out there confused. This social media has turned young girls' minds, aspects of it. It's not all bad, but there's some aspects of it where I think young girls are looking at their worth with just their bodies. Right. The next twerk challenge, the next this. The next selfie. The next selfie. It's so many. My goddaughter, I was like, if she don't take less than 100 selfies a day, I'm going, good grief, girl. What What is the angles? But I think... Girls have gotten so mentioned into that, they don't know what their true worth is. Right. And that the diamond that they have oh. is shining. I really want to mentor young women who are actresses because they don't know how to say no. Ah. Sometimes you're so young in this, and you got an authority figure and you don't know how to say no. Now, which no? Up. No to getting in my personal space or no, I don't have time in my life to do more wor- work. Uh, which no? I think no in both. In my personal space, know mm. my boundaries. Yes. Know the the word no is very powerful mm-hmm. in jobs that you feel like I don't, I'm not comfortable doing. When somebody says, oh, just, just take on, your clothes just off. Just take your clothes off. And you're a new actress and you're going, I don't know who to, I have no leverage. I don't right. know. Okay. And you take that off. That there's a power in saying no. Yeah. And, and that you have the right to say no. And you have the right to say no and not feeling like your whole career is going to be over. over right. But also knowing your personal boundaries, because it has happened to me being accosted in this business as a young girl in comedy and not feeling like I could speak up mm-hmm. to say anything because who's going to begin not knowing my worth? Who's going to ever believe me? Right. If I say anything, especially if it's the hot new this or the hot new, you know, person believing that I couldn't speak up. So I really want to help young women find their voice because you do have a voice. And a lot of young women feel like they don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one. And just, you know, new female comics. I love it when I see new female comics. You know, when I see Tiffany Haddish, that's the baby, uh, you know, (laughs) and and things that she's getting. It's like there's so many comics out there. And I said, the first thing I tell them is don't sleep with these other comics. It's going (laughs) to take you 10 years to get your reputation back. Right. Good. And that's a long time, a decade. Anybody could say they slept with me. And they'd be like, Sherry, please. <laughs> and I'm going, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, I think just now helping people get here, just putting out a hand to help. And I wasn't ready to do that before, but now I am. I think I got a lot more wisdom. I'm a lot more settled into who I am. They say that when you're able to look in the mirror and love what you see, because, you know, yeah. I, I, I get up when I look in the mirror in the mornings, I say, oh, you pretty bitch. You. I <laughs> you. I'm telling I you. I love you, girl. Love everything. Yes, I love everything about you. Everything. That when you're able to do that, when you're able to love yourself more, you are much better able to love other people. Absolutely. And be more secure in who you are. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look in the mirror and I go, go, girl, you done been through a bunch. And you You've done been made through it. it. These little battle scars on your boobies they the little road maps you got you done earned these battle scars you'd yes. have been through it and you picked yourself up and I think I before I felt like I never had a story but I feel like my story can help other girls mm-hmm. in this industry Wow! so I like what I see in the mirror I actually do 
I, I, I like, it. you know, you see little things that happen just with age. And sometimes I get a little tremor in my butt cheek. That's <laughs> like, I don't know where that came from. Sometimes a little pain and, and then my, you know, I go, wow, this eye look, let me, I got to put a little bit more eyeliner up here. <laughs> but, but I like yeah. who I see in the mirror. Because you've made, you've, you're on that road yeah. and you know what that road is. Absolutely. And that road has been very good to you. And you know what this road that it's going to end, you know, I mean, not, not that it's going to end, you know, with this road that what it looks like right now, five years later, could be very, very, different. very different. That very here's what different. I tell young people. I'm telling you it right now. It seems like the world is just going to end and right. it's going to, you know, the sky's falling. You're going to look in three years and be like, what he did, who, what's his, his name is, huh? Exactly. And so being on this road now, you go, going through heartbreak, it will pass. And you will smile again. You will again. smile again. You will be, be able to get up right. and walk again. It hurts now and you can't breathe. But believe me, babe, in a year, you're not going to be where you are now. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that road going, you know, the windings and the valleys and the ups and the hills, just keep on moving. Just keep on moving. Because that hill that you're going up, one time. step at a time, you're going to look up and went, oh, I climbed that hill. Wow. That's right. That's what you started knowing. And you know, sometimes when things are really tough or when you believe it's not going to change, you are one step away from Ooh. God changing everything. everything for you. And I'm listening to you talk and it's like, you don't have to listen to other people's yeah. thoughts about who you are. What matters is how do you feel? Isn't about that, that's the thing, Shirley, I love about getting older. You start, you start caring less about what, what people feel about you. Cause you know, in our twenties, we just, you gotta make everybody happy. Yes. You gotta, whatever anybody says, it's their opinion. Now, I remember my auntie said one time, a cousin asked my older auntie and tiny, auntie, could I borrow 10,000? She said, no. And she said, Auntie, I know you got it. She said, I got it, but I'm not giving it to you. Uh -huh. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, my goodness, you, how are you so mean? And now I understand. No, I can I say no very easily. That's right. And she I, set that boundary. And I set boundaries and I question people. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't have a problem with that. And I feel like, you know what? The only opinion I'm interested in is my daddy, mm -hmm. God, my son. But all of this other chatter, when people come at me on social media, I see these young kids on social media going back and forth, back and forth. Why? I don't know you, right. Jacqueline77727 <laughs> with the gold smile. I don't know you. So you're criticizing the way I look and my body type and this and not, you know, I don't, I don't know you, nor do I care. Right. It's, if it's not constructive, I'm not listening to it. You don't have to follow me. You... I'm going to block you. Matter of fact, yeah, I think I'm going to block you. I it doesn't bother me because you have no, and I tell people this when they get into these Twitter wars, that person doesn't pay your bills. That's right. That person's not seen about your child. Mm -hmm. That person's not babysitting Jeffrey when I need somebody. So I, I, it doesn't matter to me. It matters to me not what right. you think about me. Well, I know that I think wonderful things about I you. I know. And I am so <laughs> thankful that you came here today to share your story of your trials, your tribulations, and your joy on the Thank other side. You. Because we, we say this all the time, but very often people look at people, they think they know the story, oh, but they know nothing. Nothing. And I know a shiny, beautiful side of Sherry Shepard, and I'm glad you are here on Diva Defined. You. because you have been redefined girl oh, in closing right. take a look at the camera and tell our audience about either tell them define your diva or tell them what you think they should know i think you should know that go towards the very thing that you fear the most
because on the other side of fear is some of the most amazing blessings you could never even imagine. Wow. Because you did lose half a person, didn't you? Absolutely. Yes, and you were afraid of that. Afraid. I've been fighting fear my entire life. But when I fight it and go and do it, because it's got to be done anyway, when I run towards the very thing that I fear, I have had so much growth in my life. And things that I said yes to that scared me. I've grown as a person. I've had experiences. I've met people. I've done opportunities that I would have never had if I just sat at home. And High blood it. pressure down? My blood pressure's down. My numbers are down. Diabetes I'm back down. I'm down to a pre-diabetic state with my numbers. Wow. Because I've been committing to healthy eating. And facing your fears. Exercising and facing my fears. And knowing that, you know what? Fear, what is that? False evidence appearing real. Come on now. It's false evidence. It appears appearing real, real. But it's not. It's Lord. not real. And it's I even that sure. scripture. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the, the shadow. shadow. The shadow. Of death. Hurt you, of death. It's a shadow. You heard that? I hope you were listening. What are you listening to? Diva Defined with Cheryl Lee Ralph and my very special guest, Sherry Shepard. I know you heard her today and you're saying, well, I thought I knew. Uh, you <laughs> did not know anything. But if you do know something, just know. That when I look in the mirror, I love me. When she looks in the mirror, she loves herself. And I hope that tomorrow morning you will get up, look in the mirror, and love what you see. I'm Cheryl Lee Ralph, your diva, and I love you. Girl. You are so good! This is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and I just want to say thank you because no diva does it all alone. My glam squad, Julius Nash, Rebecca De Herrera, makeup by Mila and Fessa New, stylist Ivy Coco Maurice, production by Adrian Huerta, producer Elise, executive producer Marcus Smith, VP of Contact Jason Ball, and security provided by my dog, Theo. 